Hi there. Welcome to another episode of Endeavors. You're listening to Endeavors Radio with your host, Dan McPeak. Siobhan Fallon Hogan. Chances are you've probably seen her in something. The first film I remember her in was Men in Black, in which she played Beatrice, who needed, who gave her husband Edgar sugar water. Of course, Edgar being played by Vincent D'Onofrio. You also may remember her as the kind bus driver, Dorothy Harris, in Forrest Gump. She's also appeared in Fool's Rush In, Kribbendorf's Tribe, another favorite comedy of mine, Boiler Room, Dancer in the Dark, What's the Worst That Could Happen, Holes, Daddy Daycare, Dogville, Fever Pitch, Charlotte's Web, Baby Mama, We Need to Talk About Kevin, The House That Jack Built, and The Professor. She actually got her start on Saturday Night Live, which is unusual for somebody who never really had a stand-up comedy background. But she wrote a one-woman show that Lorne Michaels came to see, uh, and she appeared in 20 episodes between 91 and 92 with such heavyweights as Mike Myers, Chris Farley, Adam Sandler, and Ellen Cleghorn. She's also appeared in The Golden Girls, Seinfeld, Third Watch, Law and Order SVU, Rescue Me, 30 Rock, Sunny with a Chance, Fred, Wayward Pines, The Reboot of MacGyver, American Gods, Billions, Elementary, What We Do in the Shadows, and Love Life. She has always been a writer as well, writing several one-woman shows. She recently turned writing to film and has written and produced her first film, Rushed, in which she also stars with Robert Patrick, Jake Weary, and Perry Gilpin. And co-produced by Lars von Trier's Zentropa Entertainment. Uh, Rushed follows the story of a mother who takes revenge at a university uh, after one of her sons is hazed and uh, gets alcohol poisoning. It is a very, very good uh, story. The trailer is amazing, and the film is out today on Apple and Amazon. You can pre-order it as well. This is my conversation with Siobhan Fallon Hogan. I am honored to be joined by actress, comedian, and now writer, 
Siobhan, Fallon, Hogan. Siobhan, hello, good afternoon. Good afternoon, how are you? I am good, how are you doing? How is everything down there with the virus and the lockdown and, and all that fun stuff? We seem to be good, where are you? Uh, I'm in Victoria, Canada, so just oh kind of- Oh my I gosh, oh, I've been there, I, I worked up there. I am oh. in New Jersey, we're good, we're all open and we got a packed premiere tomorrow. We have three sold out shows um, down where I am. And so we're good to go here. Nice. I love it up where you are. It's beautiful. So you, you filmed the project up here? I filmed Wayward Pines and then we went out yeah. to Victoria for a little bit. Yes. Oh, yes. and then I filmed, wait, wait, wait. And I filmed The Professor with Johnny Depp. That's right. Wait. Yes, yes. Mm -hmm. Years ago. I yeah. loved it. Loved oh. it, loved it. Yeah, we just, we just got a big Netflix series here for seven months. Oh. So that was super exciting. Ooh, that's great. That's great. Yeah. Um, but your, your new film is Rushed. Yes. Uh, and you not only are the star, but you are the writer and yes. producer of, of this um, film. That is right. What made you decide, you know, I, I think I talked to a lot of actors and, you know, a lot of people in the arts who start off in front of the camera, but always, you know, are interested in writing and directing and, and, and producing. Was there a, a specific impetus for you? Why was now the, the time for you to do this, do you think? A few reasons. I've written one woman shows over the years. And about four years ago, I said, well, it's time for me to write another show. But then I thought, well, I've been in the movie business long enough that I know how to write. A, I should know how to write a movie, right? So, but in addition, my kids, my oldest daughter was a senior in high school. So I had the time. So, and I thought, I love movies more than anything. And let's give it a shot. And so that's what happened. You know, it's, it's interesting. A lot of people who, who start off in comedy, you know, you look at somebody like Tina Fey, for example, you know, all her films are, are comedies. But then you look at somebody like Jordan Peele and he's got this dark side about him, you know, with, with yeah. us and, and, and Get Out. I'm, I'm, I'm curious for you, you know, were you... When you first started writing, did you always know it, it was going to be the, this sort of darker drama or, or had you thought maybe I want to do something light? I honestly never really chose between the two. I've been really lucky to have been able to work on both sides because Avi Kaufman is a casting director. And years ago, I did Shakespeare in the Park in New York City. And she's like, oh, I didn't know you were trained. I thought you were just a comedian. And so um, she called me into audition for one of Lars von Trier's films, Dancer in the Dark with Bjork, that ended up winning the Palme d'Or, and that was a very serious role. And she took a chance on me, and I was able to get out of that, you know, being pegged as a comedian. So, and then I ended up doing Dogville with him, with um, Nicole Kibben and Lauren McCall, and I did, just did The House that Jack Built with Mac Dillon. And when I wrote the film, I sent it over to Denmark, and I sent it to Lars's company, and the producers called me and said, we want to co-produce. But as a mom... You know, I would, I would say my family's very funny. My, my father, I was raised in an extremely funny family. My father was very funny. My, I have three kids of my own. There's always insanity going on. And when you see Rushed, the first part of it's very funny. I mean, Robert Patrick, you know, from The Terminator and uh, Walk the Line, a fabulous actor who's been a friend of mine for years. We've worked together many, many times. Um, he is funny. And he's also a great dramatic, dramatic actor. And at the beginning of the movie, you see this family that's a really regular, chaotic family because three teenagers and a kid in college. And you see the mom making sandwiches, praying her rosary and swearing her head off at the same time and telling the kids 
the girls to pull down their skirts because they look like hookers. So, but then it does become a very serious movie and a revenge thriller. And there's a huge twist because something really bad goes wrong and affects the family. So I have found it really interesting and poignant to see a family and a person who's funny come up with situations that sink them into very tragic uh, circumstances. You know, I did Saturday Night Live with Chris Farley and one of the funniest, not just obviously everybody knows he was the greatest, funniest performer, but as a person, he was hysterical and he could keep the room alive and everybody just, all eyes went to him. Charming, also a great, great guy. He visited the sick, he visited the shut-ins and brought the meals. And when he had that terrible problem, he suffered terribly. And there's something so hard about watching someone who's hysterically funny in, in horribly tragic circumstances. Uh, you, you, you mentioned Robert Patrick, who's great. Uh, you know, of course, everyone will, he will always be the, you know, he will always be the bad guy in the Terminator, I think. Yes, yes. For good or for bad. Um, you know, given that he's somebody that you've known and worked with forever, was this a case of, of you writing the role and asking him to do it? Or did you write it specifically for him? No, I wrote the role. My husband, it's a lot of it's based on my, my husband and I, and, and I, I, my husband's a real guys guy. He played for the New York rugby club. He's, you know, really, you know, his family owned the White Horse Tavern in New York city. And the real New York is real tough, but this is an upstate New York family. That's a different deal. That's more Midwesterny. But I thought who is like this immediately is like, bing, 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 Robert Patrick. I mean, Robert right now at this moment is riding his Harley cross country. He's a huge supporter of the vets, the, 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 the U S vets and um, Canadian, I'm sure too. And my husband, is very much like that. So I knew, and, and Robert is a, a consummate professional and so easy to work with. I mean, imagine him, he makes a hefty paycheck, suddenly saying, yes, I'll do an independent. And he was like, sure, I'm there. Jake Weary too. Jake Weary is huge in Animal Kingdom, has a huge career. I, I sent him the script. I said, hey, what do you think? And he was all in. Same with Perry Gilpin from Frasier. You know, when you have these people and, you know, somebody like Lars von Cheer backing the film, I, I always hate to use the word legitimacy when it comes to independent film and, you know, especially with a first time screenwriter, because every every art is legitimate, you know, in, in, yes. in some form. But what what does that do for 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 the film? It's huge. I mean, having Lars von Trier's company co-produced and having the name Zentropa on it, when you go to sell it, Everyone thinks you're not only they think you're legitimate, but they think you're sophisticated. Because, oh, you've been in European films, you're in Danish films. She must be so sophisticated. Well, God help them if they meet me. So, um, and then, you know, Robert Patrick, you know, all of this come to find out, I've learned when Vertical Entertainment bought it and Octane bought it for Europe and Asia, you know, all these people have numbers like Robert Patrick's worth this abroad and Siobhan Fallon Hogan's worth this, you know, it's funny. You know what I mean? And Jake Weary has a following in this country. You know, it's crazy. So it, it brings huge legitimacy. It, it, you know, I realized life is like a big high school. It's like, oh, you're hanging out with Lars von Trier and Robert Patrick. Well, you must be something. That must make you smart and quite a screenwriter. So it's just, it's funny. Like things really never change. Um, I'm curious, you know, uh, writing a, a film like this where sort of a mother takes on a big organization, in, in this case, a uh, university, 
we see a lot of these types of stories in the news. Was Did you draw inspiration from anywhere or any one or two events? Honestly, there's been so many events, but truthfully, this could be any institution. It could be a sorority. It could be a summer house. It could, this is a, when you have kids, you have these ridiculous things called cell phones and you're in way too much contact. So you're texting them constantly. Then the oldest boy in the movie goes off to college and the other three are home. And she's like, call your brother, call your brother. I'm like, mom, you're driving him crazy. She's in bed at night with the husband. She's like, can you call Jimmy? He's like, Barbara, please go to sleep. She waits like five minutes. Could you please call Jimmy? So she's way too connected. But does she have a sixth sense? Does she know that, you know, things, or, or just is it because she's a mom and her kids are off in college and she knows some crazy things happen in college. So it's not based on something specific. It is based on me lying in bed, worrying about my kids. And your mind goes to the worst place when they don't pick up the phone or text back. You know, you're saying these icky catchphrases like, hey, hi, let me know you're safe. Make good choices. And you're like, okay, I'm gonna go to bed. I know when I wake up at three o'clock to let the dog in or let the dog out, surely they'll text back. And when they don't, you lie there and your mind wanders and you think, oh, I hope they're okay. And you go to the worst place. Uh, you know, you, you mentioned funny people and how Robert Patrick was funny. You worked with your SNL co-star, Ellen Cleghorn in this. And then I read that you actually cut her scene from the film. <laughs> well, here's the problem. It wasn't Ellen's fault. So Ellen's the best. We, we were office mates. She's the greatest girl. Her daughter's a doctor. She's like brilliant. We were too funny together. I mean, we thought we were back on the set at SNL and she was the principal and I was, you know, I'm the mom. And this, it was the, the part in the movie where, you know, it, there's some bad, tough stuff going on. And the editor is in France, Sabine Emiliani, who she edited March of the Penguins and many other fabulous movies, The Professor with Johnny Depp that I actually did up in your area. And she's like, Siobhan, you cannot have a uh, stand-up comedy show in the middle of a, you know, a serious movie. So it didn't work. And Ellen was the best. I mean, all of us have been cut for movies. You know, everybody's had their turn. And so I said, Ellen, it is not your fault. It is my fault for, and I should have toned it down. There's all different kinds of reasons, you know? But boy, was I honored to have her back ever on the set. Um, you know, I speaking of SNL because it is it is such an institution, um, and you you know you were there sort of early ish on or, or early nineties, and you, you know you mentioned Ellen, you had uh, Chris Farley, there was countless other uh, people in the in those eras, uh, Al Franken, Adam Sandler, Chris Frock, yeah, uh, I think Kevin. I'm sure Kevin was on the show at that time too. Kevin Nealon. Kevin Nealon, Dana Carvey, Mike Myers. That was Wayne's world year. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, what, do, what do you remember most about that era of the show? I mean, I always felt so fortunate to get on the show and it opened so many doors for me. And then Lauren Michaels cast me in Baby Mama as a, the boofing special, which my would talk like this with Tina Fey and, you know, so he didn't forget, you know, he didn't forget me. Um, it was, it's tough. I mean, stand-up comics are a different breed. I'm an actress. I, people have always thought that I did stand-up comedy. I never did. It's a di different breed. However, I met great friends. Chris Farley and I were great friends. Adam Sandler has been so supportive of this movie. Um, Jared Sandler's in the movie, his nephew. Um, so Chris Rock was always a great guy. Aaron Frazier, who was 
worked with Lauren at the time. She's one of the producers on the film. So, I mean, I have great memories and listen, and any great, you know, it's, he's a genius, Lauren Michaels, and he's created the show. It's not easy, but, but that's the way it goes when you, when you get to be at the top. Speaking of uh, comedy, great comedians, uh, you actually have another film coming out other than Rushed, or I might have already been released, Clifford the Big Red Dog, which Can is you- such an iconic children's story. I think everyone oh. for the last 40 years has read it. Um, and and it's I was got, just going to say, there's a recurring theme here. I, when I wrote Rushed, I called up everybody I loved and said, being a Robert Patrick, Jake Weary, you know, Lars Rancher. My son called up rapper friends, Top Hill Fredo, uh, Fat Nick, OG Mako. That's why the music is fabulous in it. Well, Jordan Kerner, who produced Charlotte's Web, and I was cast many years ago as Mrs. Zuckerman with Dakota Fanning. And he called me up when they were doing um, Clifford the Big Red Dog. And he said, Siobhan, would you be in it? I mean, he didn't forget me. These are the kind of people, you know, it's like anything else. It's just like, I suppose it's like somebody owned a restaurant and they had a great chef. And 10 years later, they opened another one after it closed and they call up the chef. But you no, know, and, and plus I've been in so many oddly children's movies. I, I love kids and I've been in Holes and Charlotte's Web and Daddy Daycare. And, you know, just, it's just so many movies. It's crazy that are for kids. And Fred and now Charlotte's Web. I mean, pardon me, Clifford the Big Red Dog. And I'm, it's just, it was a riot. I mean, and here's the other thing. Here I was about to do, to film Rush. And I'm on this huge, big budget movie, you know, for Paramount, Clifford the Big Red Dog. And I said to the costume designer, oh, I love this. I'm made in it. I love this maid's outfit. I have a maid that is in my film. She's like, I'll give it to you. What else do you need? I mean, people are unbelievable, you know? And, but like, can we just talk about the cast for a minute? You've got John Cleese, David Allen Greer, uh, Horatio Sands, um, Paul Rodriguez, Tony Hale, Sienna Gullery, Jack Whitehall, uh, Tova Felsta, uh, Russell Peters. Um, did you get to work with any and all of them? I really didn't. I, I mean, I met everybody at the table read through. Tova, I'm a huge fan of because I've always loved her work on Broadway. She's amazing. Um, I met most everybody at the read through. My scenes were basically with the little girl, um, and so I, and 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 the dog, <laughs> the giant giant dog. So I did not, but I'm honored to be part of it, and I can't wait to see them at the party. What was it like just being in the same room as John Cleese? I mean, he's a legend. You know, I mean, it's unbelievable. Yeah. You're, you're like, this is so crazy, and yeah, I mean, you you know, you just. These are the moments, you know, like when I was in Going in Style and I was with Michael Caine and and Morgan Freeman and Alan Arkin, you know, these are the people that you grew up with that you look look up to, you know, that are that I was, I just could, it's just, it's just an honor. Uh, you mentioned Holes, um, which, I, you know, I, I saw it when I first came out and it's interesting. I, I think that was a film that has been more appreciated with age. I, I, I don't, I don't think it was necessarily as appreciated when it came out, but everyone loves it now. And it's got such a great cast yourself, uh, Tim Blake Nelson, John Voight, Sigourney Weaver, Eartha Kitt, Shia LaBeouf. Um, and the director, Andy Davis, who directed The Fugitive, he's literally my 
such a close friend. He was so, I would send him rushed when I, when I came back from France and we edited it, I sent it before the sound was done and he, and he gave me great pointers. And he said to me, Siobhan, where did you get the extras in this movie? I said, Andy, those are my friends. And if they weren't my friends before, they're my friends now. But um, he was one of the greatest directors I've ever worked with and the greatest guy. Uh, if I remember correctly, I think I, the first film I saw you in was Men in Black. Yeah, that was one of my first, the very first film I ever did was Greedy with um, Kirk Douglas and Phil Hartman, Michael J. Fox. And then I did um, The Paper with Glenn Close. Then I did Forrest Gump. Gump. And then I think Men in Black. Um, that, you know, I think in a way that that film was ahead of its time, just just in terms of, you know, it, sci-fi comedies. Um, and you got to work a lot with not only uh, Will Smith and Tommy Lee Jones, but Vincent D'Onofrio, who I think is he a was amazing. very he, underappreciated actor. Yeah, I um, had a, my daughter Bernadette, who's 26, and she's actually writes for the New York Post. She broke the um, nursing home stories. So she's a journalist. At the time, she was 18 months old. <laughs> so it tells you how long ago it was. And it was, and I, I, I was only supposed to go out for a short time to LA. And so I didn't bring her. And it kept raining and raining and they couldn't get the truck up the set. Tommy Lee Jones and Will Smith and I would get in this truck to go up this hill. And in LA, the way the, way the mud is, it doesn't have traction. It's like not like the East Coast. And it kept turning into more and more days. I was like, my gosh, my baby's at home. And Barry Sonnenfeld, you know, who the great director said, the finally the night we shot it, if, if we completed by a certain time, I was going to be able to make a red eye home back to the East Coast. And I said, Barry, is there any chance? And he said, well, let's ask Vincent. He's like, Vincent, here, here's poor Vincent dressed as, you know, the farmer. And he's got his eyes like pulled down, like his eyes, he needs drops because they're, you know, the, the way the makeup is, it's so uncomfortable. And he's like, Siobhan's got a baby. And he's like, can, can she, can we shoot her side first? Because the way it goes is you go with a bigger star. Yeah. And plus he's uncomfortable in making it's like, absolutely. So that's like an unselfish, great actor to let you do that. Um, and of course I must ask you about Forrest Gump. It, you know, I, I've heard Gary Sinise tell some anecdotes. You know, I've heard like I, at the AFI for uh, Tom Hanks, he joked that like, you know, there's shrimp, he's in the Navy, there's LBJ, there's ping pong. Nobody really knows what this movie is about. <laughs> um, um Bob Zemeckis' wife at the time, Mary Ellen, was a great, great friend of mine. She was in Greedy with me. And she passed a couple of years ago. I'm still really good friends with her son, Alex. Great family. And she said to me, my husband's going to be doing this movie called Forrest Gump. And anyway, in I went. And I was supposed to go in for a very small part. The woman who knocked at the door ended up being Mary Ellen, took that part. And I, I said, I, I don't want this part, Bob. I want to be the bus driver because I, I took the bus my whole life. I'm a hick. So he's like, all right, go ahead and read it. And he's like, yeah, and then we got to age you at the end. So I had to go down to um, South Carolina in advance for bus training and drive like a 1949 bus. And there was a, a guy down there who was the, training me and he's a real Southerner. And he's like, come on, Sal Bond. And I was like, my name's Siobhan. He's like, come on, Sal Bond. I was like, well, whatever. And he's like, get in the truck. <laughs> And he has like a six pack of Pabst Blue Ribbon. And he's like, go ahead, take the truck down there. That's 1949, so there's no power steering. My arms ached. And I used to have to practice it day after day with this guy as he drank his six pack. And then the day came to finally shoot it. And I'm in the bus with all the producers, kids, and director's son is in it, Alex in it. 
and all, and they go, we're going to pull the bus. I'm like, pull the bus. I know how to drive the bus. It's like, no, no, it's too much liability with all those kids. We're just going to pull the bus with the rope. All you have to do is step on the brake. Got it. So they yell, action. They yell, cut. I forget to step on the brake. They're like, cut, cut, cut. I slam on the brake and the kids go flying, <laughs> hit their heads. They're like, lady, I hit my head. I was like, just don't tell your parents. We're going to go again. So yeah, it was, it was a great time. And what a, what a movie to be in. And Gary Sinise, I mean, I just think he is a superb human be being. He's another one who's been so good to the American soldiers and the vets. And his, a couple of years ago, I went to Catholic University. It, they have a great acting program. John Slattery went there, John Voight, Susan Sarandon. And they asked me to MC this show for this big gala they had. And they were honoring Gary Sinise. And I was at his table and I was like, Gary, I'm the bus driver. And he's like, oh my gosh. Because his daughter went there and they honored him. And he, what a person. Uh, now is also Haley Joel Osment's first film. Um, Forrest Gump was. Yes. Yes. You know, he, he was, he was the, the son. Um, mm -hmm. When, you know, when you're making a film like that, that was, you know, so lauded, you know, Tom Hanks wins, uh, you know, all these awards. Did you know at the time what what it was going to be i read that script and i thought i loved it i mean it was like reading a great book you're like this is a great script and it's such a story because here these guys were told no we don't have enough money so we'll take points on the other end and they like didn't take the salaries because they believed in it it's a lot like rushed to not to compare my movie to forrest gump but it's a real story you know what i mean and so when you have a story like that like why would robert patrick who makes so much on movies and Jake Weary, come and do my little movie. It's like when you read, it's very unusual that you read a great story like that. You know, there's a lot of big action adventures in those kind of movies or horror movies. But if you want a really great story, it's it, Forrest Gump was, you know, a gem. Uh, I quickly I wanted to ask you because, you know, you you did get your start on TV. Um, and I think other than maybe SNL, your biggest TV role was Seinfeld. Yes. Uh, uh, you know, and, uh, but you, I know you also appeared on stuff like the, the Golden Girls as well. Um, those two I, iconic shows, <laughs> what, what do they, not only for an actor period, but I guess, you know, for someone like you and that, cause that was still fairly early on in your career. What does that mean for, you know, someone who is such a, a an up and comer in a lot of ways? I always tell kids, students, when I talk to them or young actors, what I did was I was very impatient and I would go to auditions and they'd say, oh, you're going to grow into your luck and you'll grow into your voice. You'll probably work a lot in your late thirties and forties. I was like, oh my gosh, I can't wait that long. There's no way. So I got into an improv group and the director said, why don't you write a one woman show? And so I never even thought of that. And I wrote my own material. So I wrote like 10 characters that I would want to play if I, if someone would please cast me. So Seinfeld came and saw that. And so did Saturday Night Live. And Every single time I've written a one-person show, inevitably I'll get a movie afterwards or someone will see it. So if you, even if you think you can't write, just start writing and see what you can come up with. Uh, you, you know, you've played a lot of either mothers or maternal figures. You know, I think even the bus driver is argued is, is a very maternal figure in a lot of ways. What makes Barbara different than the mothers you've played in the past? Well, first of all, she's, frazzled because she has four kids and she's faithful but she swears her head off so she's not like Robert Patrick said to me 
I, I, I always wanted to be in a faith-filled movie, but this is a faith-filled revenge thriller that goes, you know, it's, it's so, because it's, the characters aren't icky. So she's not a goody-goody and the kids aren't goody-goodies. They're a regular family. But when you say mother role, she's the ultimate mother that she uh, looked to. And that was, is the blessed mother. And, and in the beginning of the movie, she's praying to the blessed mother and she's praying and she's saying, help me. And when, when, but she's also swearing and it's funny, but then when the real trouble hits and she is faced with the worst possible trouble in her life, who does she turn to the mother of all mothers, the blessed mother, who she is inspired so many people who've lost children because the character thinks, well, if she could see her son on the cross, then I can get through this. And the blessed mother has given great hope and faith to people that believe in her. I have a sister-in-law who lost a son. And I said to her when he passed, how did you ever get through this? And she said, I figured if the Blessed Mother could do it, so could I. And I remember seeing Rose Kennedy on TV when I was maybe 12 years old. And she, some, an interviewer said, how did you do this? How did you get through it? You lost two sons and a daughter. She said, because I I was, I'm a believer. I'm curious, you know, how much do you, you think... It, your your upbringing you know the the faith that the catholicism how how much humor can you derive from from that that type of upbringing tons i mean you can sit in the church pew and you can elbow your brother or sister and you can punch him in the face and say and your father then is like cut it out but no i'm, from, I'm an irish catholic irish catholics are hilarious people i mean we never said i love you to each other till my father was dying he's like by the way i love you and i was like what and you know you knew you knew you knew that they loved you but it was like this you know what my parents really accentuated in my family was funny you know they never were like hey uh what were your grades i remember i got a d in college in astronomy and most kids were like oh my gosh you're gonna go home with a d what's gonna happen my father's like Sean, i just had a piece of blueberry pie it was my second or third one and look at this pie there's 65 percent of the pie left now, that's a lot of pie everybody could have a piece don't be upset you got a d now what's going on in college? And then it, all you want to do is laugh at the stories I had. So, you know, um, I mean, read about some of the, some of the saints, you know, uh, um, Saint, Saint Augustine was, he was a drunk and a whoring around and he was hilarious. You can have a good old time being faithful. It doesn't matter. <laughs> you know, the, the, the tagline, at least in the trailer for the film was uh, a, a mother's revenge. Um, yes. And, you know, and I, I think I think revenge can often be a loaded word um, is can revenge be a good thing for someone or is it ultimately futile? Well, another that's the that's one trailer. And the other one says hell hath no fury like a mother scorned. Look, she's no one to emulate. You can't go around. You can't go around seeking revenge on everyone who crosses you or the world's going to be even more chaotic than it is. Um, however, when you're driven to the brink and listen, she's, she's not, no woman mother to emulate in any way, but it's all she's got. She's like, she's down to the, the, the raw bare bones. And she's like, she's going in all guns a blazing. It's like an old Western. She's like, woo. And she's like, you crossed my son, I will find you. And that what's, that's what makes it a, a, a revenge thriller that, yeah, I remember the, the uh, our uh, editor said, she's French, and she said, 
every time you think uh, the audience is caught up with you, you must do a twist, Siobhan. You must stay ahead of it so they don't know what's going on. And, and you know, you, 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 up to the very end, you're guessing, like, what is going on? You know, you, you, you mentioned your son because he was involved in the film. I know he brought in uh, Fat Nick. Um, yes. He did a lot of the, the, the rap. And did he actually write music for one of the scenes? He did not write music. Christian Eidness Anderson, um, Lars's fabulous composer, and Kyle Ward, who's a local young guy, wrote music. Um, Christina Train, my niece, is also, she's a fabulous singer. She, and my son said, Mom, you can't have a frat party without fabulous rap music. So Fat Nick... He, my son's a music supervisor and he does events and um, through his company, Legendary Goat Productions. And he brought in Top Hill Fredo, OG Mako. And you know, you hear those scenes and Fat Nick and like that rap music is just cranking from the frat house. And there's one scene when Jake Weary, you know, fabulous Jake from Animal Kingdom goes running out of the house to get something. And you just hear it you're pulsating from the house. And my mom, um, she just passed in, she was 96 in March and she saw the movie and she goes, you know, you can understand why kids like that rap. It's got a great beat. <laughs> did, did it give you a, an appreciation for that type of music or were you Completely. already a fan? And, and, for the, and for the rappers. I mean, here I was sitting there with Fat Nick and his entourage, you know, hanging out, talking, they're all tattooed and pierced. I'm like, these guys are great. And I mean, such an appreciation. And we, when we shot those, I think, you know, I was not in the fraternity scenes. And, and when we, and by the way, they were in my house. So when you see the frat house in the movie and you see Jake Weary at the top of the balcony and the pledges at the bottom, that's my house. And my kids came home from college and they were like, okay, what, what's going on in the living room? And I was like, oh, I made it into a frat house. They're like, that is the most ridiculous looking thing, mom, go away, go to a restaurant, we'll fix this up. So thank <laughs> God they made it look authentic. But when we when we'd film those scenes and you know the party scenes, you would have thought that it was a real party. There was the guys and the girls, and we had the smoke going, and they cranked the music, and then they yelled "cut," and everybody would burst out laughing. I mean, it was a really good time for the kids that were in it. What was it like? Just uh, you know, I, I you know you 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 weren't in those scenes, but you know, being the writer and producer, you were probably on set. Um, it, it, scenes with a lot of extras and a lot of effects you know, um, as someone who works in the industry, they can take a lot of work. Um, oh. What was it like just being on set in that environment when this, you know, giant frat party was-, was Okay, my kitchen, which I'm in right now, my friend, Tracy Tory, she's a fabulous food stylist who lives in town. Matthias Schubert, who's our cinematographer. Okay, they, they, they had this thing covered. So Tracy had it all like down. She's like completely detailed. She's like, okay, they'd have this kind of cup and this won't be having this kind of beer. And, and whenever there was other scenes, she's like, I think they'd have salmon. And I'm so specific, you know, which is what you realize these are the details that make movies great. And then Matthias, you know, he had this fogger going and, you know, my, my son had these twinkly lights up and we had a lot of volunteers too. And I'll never forget, it was a sunny, hot day. And someone's got the door when they were yelled cut and they're going like this is the door and letting the smog out. And someone's like, what are you doing? Uh, it's so smoky in here, I let the smog out. And Matthias is like, for God's sake, that's what we're trying to create atmosphere. Don't open the door. So it was crazy. And then my, there's black flaps all over my windows. My cat was wandering around like, and my dog were like, what's going on? Like, I wish we could have the like, tape recorded with the dog and the cat were thinking they're like, could there possibly be more people in my house and more equipment? What is going on here? <laughs> my whole yard was full of frat boys and sorority girls. And it, and my, at night, my driveway, which isn't very long, had three 
huge three ton trucks and porta potties all over it. Yeah, I've I've uh, I've been I've been I've been an extra in those types of scenes, and it's just like chaos and it's insanity. One time, this is really funny. So we you know we had these young PAs, you know, production assistants, and I pulled up to the big huge. Um, vigil scene you know with this huge mansion we go up we've got these friends of ours to lend it to there's vineyards and everything and this pa is like and i've got my cars loaded i brought some boys up there that were playing frat boys and um the pa is like um you can't park there and i was like what and he's like yeah this is reserved for the trucks and i'm like hey I'm, okay i'm rodent and i'm sorry get it and this kid's like and i go all right well you're right i got you you got me there i'll go back down the hill so the trucks can park up there i have no ego no problem yeah, I've, 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 I'll tell you something. I've worked as a PA. I've had that exact conversation with execs. It's hysterical. Some execs would take your head off, but I was, listen, I learned from Lars von Trier, the crew is equally as important as the talent and you would respect their job and they respect yours and everybody gets along great. Yeah. It's like doing a play. Then, then you're, then you're all set. I, uh, I, I shot a short film back in April and we didn't have anything like that, but we shot on a farm and there was, you know, like, kind of big open field and there's this one scene where the the like the the girl and her friend are like frolicking you know up on the hill and then the yeah. horse just comes out of the stable like galloping behind them i'm like god can we do something about the horse please hysterical yeah there's always some insanity going on right right or like actually in in the one quick story because i i worked on this netflix series that was here and we had a we had a big snowstorm for like three days. It was just like oh. the most snow Victoria's ever had in a three day period. And there was one scene where the actor is supposed to be like he's shirtless and he's supposed to be oiled up on yeah. this horse, right? And he's like, and he's like riding this horse because it's, it's a dream sequence. But it's about negative fifteen outside Celsius. Oh, believe me, I shot in Winnipeg. I know what that's like. Um, so they they're like they get the camera ready. They're about you know they've got the rehearse. Our actress is ready. And then like, oh, and it's also like two in the morning, by the way, two, oh, or, three, yeah. two or three in the morning because it's a Friday. I've been there. Uh-huh. Um, so they're just like, okay, no, we're not going to do this. We're going to move this to the next block where we actually have sun. Yeah. Well, in the movie, when you see this, the, the dinner scene where I dr- get drunk, um, there was a huge storm, a windstorm. And the guy who plays um, Perry Gilpin, fabulous Perry Gilpin from Frasier's husband, Sean Cullen, he was late because the, the weather was so bad. And Vivica Musaya, our fabulous Danish director is like, my God, what are we gonna do? And I was like, I was panicking. And she's like, well, we're just going to shoot it. We'll just wait till he gets here and we're just gonna shoot you aside and shoot. So, you know, she's like the consummate professional who, you know, she's, she's worked on all kinds of movies and she just figured it out. I, you mentioned Sean Collin, I gotta give him a shout out. He's a Canadian boy. Uh... I didn't know that. Because he went to, he also went to St. Bonaventure College with people that I know in upstate New York. Yes, but yes, I mean, there's, all, I mean, he's from, he's from Toronto. That makes um, sense because St. Bonaventure would just be just over the border. Yeah, kind of, yeah, and, kind and of between a, Buffalo and, and Rochester. A, he's a royally funny guy. Um, mm-hmm. I know you. Uh, we talked about your son, and I know you're working with your son on your next film, which you also wrote, Shelter in Solitude. Yes, and I'm also working with Robert Patrick's going to play the warden in that. And my daughter, Sinead, who plays a sorority girl in Rushed, she's going to be a hippie in it. So this is a prison story. And much, I'd say 85% of our crew is back, which says a lot. You know, Matias is back as our cinematographer. Vivica Musaya is back as our director. Um, Sabina Miliani is back as the editor. So um, yes, so my son will be back in that. And um, 
you know, listen, my kids grew up on movie sets. This is what they know. It's like someone having a bakery and saying, my son is making some donuts or, you know, some bread today. So this is what they know and that what they love as well. So yeah, it's going to be great. We're, we start, we um, rushed opens tomorrow, August 27th in theaters all over the U S and it'll be also for can Canadians. It will be on iTunes, Apple. You can pre-order it today. Um, it'll be on Amazon, all the, all the video platforms. And then one month to the day, we start filming Shelter in Solitude in upstate New York. Were you, you know, various people that I've talked to have, have differing views on, you know, or whether or not they've encouraged their kids to follow in their footsteps in the business. Um, I, I honestly, um, when, I, when I went to college, my father was like, okay, you should go, you should study law. You should be a lawyer, do something practical. When my kids went to college, I said, do what you love because, you know, I did some, I studied something that I wasn't going to do, even though it's a great education. Um, and then I went to graduate school afterwards. Uh, I think that if you let your kids have some freedom like that, then they'll find their, their way. You know, my, like my daughter Bernadette is a journalist. She's not in the business. Sinead is in college. Who knows the jury's out, but she's going to be an actress in the next film. And she's really good. She plays Jake Weary's girlfriend in um, Rushton. She's subtle. She's got this big blonde hair. She's really deadpan. She's, she looks like Janis Joplin. She's like, hey. What, how do you find working with, with close family? Um, well, you have this common goal. You can be really honest with each other. And um, it's, it's great. It's like a, a family business, you know? I mean, listen, it's not all laughs. Sometimes you're like, what? You know, if you disagree, there's some arguments. But um, there's some great laughs and there's some great satisfaction because when you get to like tomorrow, I feel like, you know, climbing Mount Everest here um, because we finally are meet, meeting the finish line, the movie's coming out and, you know, we're all going to be so celebrating together as a unit, you know? You've, you know, Shelter and Salt will be the second feature that you've written. You've done a lot of one woman shows. Is directing in your future? If I directed, I doubt I would be in it because... I think that you have to have perspective on your performance. I'd love to direct someday. The next movie I'm writing, you know, wrote, produced, acting in. I also think I'd have to study it a lot more. I don't know a lot about lenses and that kind of thing. I, you know, I'm not, I'm not technical like that. I think, you know, for a lot of actors you just say, I'm going to direct, you know, I mean, they've perfected their craft. I mean, Vivica Musaya for me to say, oh, I could do what she does. I'd have to really study it. So I, I don't know really, but I mean, I'd love to think that I could. You know, we, we sort of mentioned how Rushed is about a, a woman who is out for revenge, you know, basically the, the frat party at the university. Should organizations, whether it's a, you know, Fortune 500 or a university or a, or a charity or, or anything like that, should they be held liable for incidents that they're not directly involved in, but happen on their property? I listen, that's a bigger question than me. I think you, you people have to be responsible for their behavior since the beginning of time. When you see something horrible happening, you have to step up and be a good person. If someone's hip and cool and everybody loves them and they look right and they dress right, you don't follow them for that reason. And when your friend's in trouble, you help them. And when you know something in your gut is wrong, you say something or get out. You know, sometimes 
silence and leaving, walking away from something is even more powerful than making a big stink. And when things get really, really bad, you know, and you see someone in trouble, you got to call 911. Um, what, it's, it's always, you know, being an artist, you're like, oh, does your film have a message or, you know, what do you want audiences to take? Is, is there, I don't know, is, is, is there one thing that if an audience were to go see Rushed that you would like them to walk away thinking or, 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 or feeling? I think that, like I said, it's a revenge thriller, but I think there's also a message in there that when family comes up against something horrific, you stick together like glue. And also when your friends are in bad situations, you do the right thing, no matter if it will make you be the, the odd man out or the odd girl out. Why do you, why do you think so many funny people, those who are in comedy are really good at playing straight and often dark characters? I think that that's a tough question. I think that if you have a great imagination, then you can switch from being comedic and crossover. I also think that a lot of funny people have dark sides, you know, and you try not to show it, but you do. And there, you, just because you're funny doesn't mean you have, don't have deep feelings just like anyone else. Yeah. Um, just a couple more questions here before we wrap up. Um, I know you are on the same cast or in the same cast as uh, the late, great Chris Farley. Hmm. Do you have a, a favorite memory of working with Chris or being- Chris was family? a great friend of mine, a great friend. And Chris and I went to the same Catholic church, Trinity, uh, Holy Trinity on 83rd Street, New York City. Pardon me, 82nd Street. And we went every Sunday night late to the nighttime mass because, you know, we'd be at the parties. The, you know, everything was, everything was so late on SNL. And um, he was a fabulous person. He, he visited shut-ins and he was not just, a lot of actors are funny, but they might not be funny in person and, or, or like, you know, if you go out to lunch with them or out to breakfast or just on the street. And I met my husband at the time and um, I really liked him. He played for the New York Rugby Club and my, Chris did too. He didn't play for New York Rugby. He played rugby when he went to Marquette. And I'd get out of the party. I'm like, oh, Chris, I really like this guy. Well, Shivani, well, we're going to go over to his apartment. So we'd go over to Peter's apartment, it'd be like four o'clock in the morning and we, Chris would buzz the buzzer. Come on, get up, Peter Hogan, you fat bastard. Let's have a scrum down. He'd use all the rugby language. He'd get me, he'd get me in the door. And Peter, then Peter would be like, what are you two doing? And we like, do you have anything to eat? So we used to have a riot. And um, on, just on set, I mean, he was hilarious. And in the, in the room, you know, when the, when the um, hosts would come in, we'd be all jammed in Lauren Michaels' office and be all jammed up. Like, does anybody have an idea? And, you know, sometimes you'd tell your ideas and they would just completely bomb. And Chris would be like, I'm not much of a storyteller per se. You know, that's where he got his, his great characters from, uh, a lot of them from, from in that office. But he was the best guy. You know, it, it's interesting. Nearly 30 years on, still one of the most iconic SNL lines is in a van down by the river. Oh, of course, because he was a genius. And he took all that from what he knew from growing up. What, what do you think it was about that specific character that, you know, is still so popular? I think that because he's, oh, I mean, Chris is just a genius. He, you know, the Art Carney was so, such a great physical comedian out in the Honeymooners and 
Chris was right there with him, you know, and he, his physical was so funny and it's just his character took himself so seriously giving advice. And he's just, there's, there's nothing better than someone giving advice who's a big mess themselves, you know? So I think that's what people love. Uh, and finally, I wanted to ask, uh, you know, I, I'm in Victoria and I know you've, you've been up this way a couple of times with, with, with Wayward Pines and the professor. Anything you enjoyed about this part of the world? I enjoyed everything. There's a lot of places that you go to and you land and you don't feel like familiar at all. I loved Vancouver. I loved the people. And my daughter, Sinead, came to stay with me from Wayward Pines for like a couple of weeks. My son, Peter, came out. My daughter, Bernadette, came out. My husband... And I, it's just the most, it's just gorgeous to think that there's a city that's set like that. And then when we went out to um, Vic, the island, what, Victoria Island, what's it called? Um, well, it's, it's Vancouver Island. And then there's Vancouver Victoria, Island. And then Victoria's and then we went, on Vancouver Island. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So on Vancouver Island, when we went, we took the boat out there through, through all the little islands. And I mean, and it's, you feel like you're in England almost. And I remember riding on this path with my bike, with my daughter. And this, this man was very sophisticated walking with his hands behind him in a tweed coat. And I think you think you're right. Like in England, he's like, mind the um, new bikes. And I was like, Oh, I'm so sorry. But, and the food was delicious and it's just gorgeous. I mean, it's just like a, a, a slice of heaven there to me. People don't realize that Victoria um, has one of the uh, highest um, proportion of restaurants per capita. Oh. It was, what's that place in Victoria where you go and there's several restaurants together and, and you can pick, um, oh, oh gosh. I, it's like you walk and you're like, well, that one has farm to table and that one has this, and that one has that. Maybe I'm wrong about that, right close to it, but I'm telling you, I thought the food was spectacular. Yeah, like if you go right down on the water, like, well, first of all, Victoria has amazing seafood. Like, oh, the sushi, oh. forget it. Was, was yeah. deli- it felt like it's like it's like did the fish just did the fi- the fish is like hello I just arrived and I'm fresh as can be it was yeah. delicious it's it, it's like if um Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy but it was a fish instead of a cow right I told my daughter I said let me tell you something I've been a lot of places in my life I'm very fortunate that way if I if I was young and I got married I would go to Victoria for my honeymoon I mean it's got everything it's just yeah. People always talk about going to Alaska. I've never been to Alaska, but it seems like when you go through those waters on that ferry, it must be like that. It's just so beautiful. And, and you know, I was just, I was just on the ferry because I was in Vancouver. And this time of year, you can see a lot of uh, like orcas, um, uh, otters, seals, occasionally yes. dolphins, humpbacks. I was there and I was there in August. I was there in August and we did. It was like, I was like, whoa, this, this, this ferry is like a two for one. It's like a whale watching tour and the yeah. dolphins. I was like, what the heck is going on here? It's great. Yeah. It was amazing. And I'm trying to remember the hotel we stayed at, but it was like, you know, like a spa and you could look out and um, some famous architect. So what, what wait, I, did you stay at the Empress? I think that was it. I wrote, we, I wrote, I rented the bike. We rode all over. Um, rooms. And so, so the Empress is like this big, huge, like, it's just like, it's a really old hotel. It's right downtown across the street from the water. Um, and it, then to the sizes are lower. Is it lower? And there's kind of like rocks. It's like a spa. Uh, when you get, when you get off the boat, you go up to the right, you go to the right and it's kind of on the end on a point. Oh, so like your, your hotel was right, right. When you got off the ferry. So you got off the ferry, no, and then you'd go to the right, like, like there's kind of like the bay there, right? Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Like the bay, and then there's kind of like a part where you can ride your bike way out there. Okay, it, yeah, no, 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 that's not the Empress. The Empress is right, right in downtown Victoria. Yeah. So. Oh my gosh, it was beautiful. Um, but yeah, no, it's it's great, and 
There's a lot of stories. Victoria is also very haunted, allegedly. <gasps> That's so interesting. Yeah. I mean, I, went, I remember when I worked in Winnipeg, Canada, and there was one haunted hotel and we had to go back for reshoots. And I said, there's one thing, I can't stay in that haunted hotel. And they said, that's all that's left. So I remember thinking, okay, that's crazy. That's crazy. It can't be haunted. So I said to the front desk, I said, yes, um, hi. It's, I, I'm just nervous. It's not really haunted. Oh, yes. As a matter of fact, every Halloween we're packed. Would you like the pamphlet on how we're haunted? And I was like, oh, no. So I would go in the room at night and I would say, and I was by myself. I was like, hello, if you're a ghost, please leave because that really freaks me out. And if you are a ghost, you're here. Just please be nice because I'm a little afraid. Yeah, yeah, no. Food, food and, and ghosts are, are two things Victoria is known for. And amazing. And winning the Stanley Cup back in 1926. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. Well, you live you live in a great place. Yeah, I know. I never planned on coming back because I was out east. Yeah. But then the pandemic happened. It, it, you know, every cloud has a silver lining, right? Yeah, yeah. Every cloud has a silver lining. And look what we can do remotely. It's unbelievable, yeah, right? Yeah, you know, and it was great. Like I got, you know, I found you know i've always i've been in film on and off for 20 years but i got back working in film did a couple netflix series got to make my own short you know awesome submitting it to festivals like it's it's great you never really know why things happen you know what i mean yeah it's unbelievable but i just want to say with rushed because because you guys don't have it up there make sure people like right now they could download it and pre-order on apple and tomorrow itunes amazon all those different video platforms and you can, you can go to our Instagram at rushed movie or okay. Facebook rushed movie. It's all over Twitter. I mean, it's hundreds of thousands of hits. So we're just, we're getting great reviews. If they check out filmthreat.com or Josh at the movies, we have all kinds of great reviews. So come and, on out and, and watch. And I know they can pre-order it, but um, in terms, I mean, this podcast goes at everywhere, the States, Canada, UK, yes. everywhere. Um, but just for the Canadian ones, is it, uh, is it also released tomorrow here in Canada or is yes, it August yeah. 27th all over the world? Oh, okay. Perfect. Yes. The first, the first countries that bought it were Poland, the middle East and South Korea. <laughs> that's an, that's an, Isn't that's crazy. An, that's an interesting trifecta. Yeah. Yeah. And of course we have the U S always, and it's all over the place in the U S and all the theaters and, 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 you know, and video on demand, which is so great. Everybody can watch it tomorrow. Uh, and finally, um, as, as a performer, what, what do you still want to do? What, what role do you still want to play or what kind of story do you still want to tell? Well, my next story, I play a wannabe country singer because my father always said, Siobhan, you should be a country singer. I always wanted to do musical theater, but I didn't have a high enough voice. So I'm so excited to play this next role in, in my next movie, Shelter and Solitude. And that shoot starts shooting uh, next month, you said? September 27th, one month to the day after we open Rush tomorrow. Well, we look forward to seeing Rush and we look forward to uh, Shelter and Solitude when that comes out as well. Thanks so much, Dan. I really, really appreciate it. Well, Siobhan, thank you so much. And you have a lovely rest of your day. You too. You do great. You do a great job. And God bless Victoria. Thank you very much. Have a good day. Bye-bye. Cheers. That was my conversation with actress, writer, producer, comedian, Siobhan Fallon Hogan. Uh, her new film, which she stars and wrote and produced, Rushed is out now and also if you have a chance to please watch Clifford the Big Red Dog I know I loved that story uh, as a child and it's got an incredible cast um, as I mentioned David Allen Greer Paul Rodriguez Siobhan John Cleese uh, so please check that one out as well that does it for me today. 
slowly getting back in to produce to uh, doing episodes at least once a week now hopefully I don't know if I'll have time to go back to the twice a week that I used to do but you know I'll slowly getting back to, to being more regular with these after sort of taking a bit of time be sure to subscribe to endeavors on Apple, Spotify, Google Play, Deezer, wherever you get your podcasts. You can follow me at Endeavors Radio on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter as well. Thanks for tuning in. I'll see you next time. Ciao for now. Artists like to have a lot of sex. <laughs> <laughs>